car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot, and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. Welcome back. On this episode of Car Care for the Clueless, we're going to be concentrating on those of you who have experienced the devastation of Hurricane Sandy last week. But for those who live in other areas of the country that remained untouched by the storm, there are some great tips on how to help your vehicle survive any emergency, meteorological or not. These tips are about you, your vehicle, and how to make sure you make it back to your starting destination. But first, we want to stop a moment and recognize AC Delco Parts. Just like this show, AC Delco Parts are a reliable source for your car or truck. I've been installing AC Delco Parts for my customers' vehicles for decades. They have an extensive catalog of parts for both foreign and domestic vehicles and a great 12-month, 12,000-mile nationwide warranty. You know, you can always count on an AC Delco part. Speaking about items you can count on, I have 10 items, 10 tips, to make sure that your vehicle is road-ready after the storm. This is a topic that I can speak with some authority. Originally, I'm from the east side of Detroit, but my aversion to snow, and a lot of you out there have that too, it keeps me on the southwest Florida coast. So in essence, I've traded blizzards for hurricanes, and I've been through dozens of storms. In fact, one year we had four hurricanes within seven weeks of each other. We just stayed boarded up and waited for the next one to come through. You know, as a matter of fact, the final one at the end of September... It was only a Category 1. We thought it was a big deal. I remember everybody was out and about just like it was an afternoon rain shower. It was so weird. We were so over being cooped up and burnt out with prepping for a storm that we looked at this Category 1 as a nothing. People were out in restaurants, shopping, you name it. It was so surreal. I remember even taking my parents to a restaurant for their anniversary. And the place was packed during a hurricane. Now, grant you, the eye didn't come right over us, but the bands of the storm were making their presence known. And then the following year, around the end of October, same time as Sandy, we had Wilma. She was just like Sandy, actually. Got caught up in a low front, and boy, the weather was nasty with her. We were sweating before the storm, and as soon as Wilma passed through, we had high winds and we were bundled in jeans. We had sweats on, we had jackets, anything to keep warm. In fact, the eastern seaboard, I believe, got some snow from that mess. So, you know, guys, it's not fun, but I can tell you that the neighborhoods will be rebuilt, the homes restored, and the communities will come together again. It'll take some time, but it'll happen. The best thing everyone could do, including you, is to pitch in and help. Just help one person once a day. If everybody did this, the rebuild will come along much quicker. And being overly organized and prepping is the key to everyone getting through this mess. And this includes your vehicle. You know, there's a different set of rules when navigating the roadways after a significant storm like Sandy has hit the area. You'll have indistinguishable roadways, debris, down power lines. You're going to experience it all. But there are things that you can do before hitting the road to make sure you have safe travel. Tip number one, if your vehicle's been sitting in 12 inches or more of water, do not drive it. 
that standing water, it's horrible. It's so corrosive on electrical components and your vehicle is loaded with them. Don't take a chance in getting stranded away from home due to an electrical issue because of water intrusion. You know, I remember there was a tropical storm and it hit the barrier island out in our community and cars were getting brought into the shop. And this one, I remember, we opened the door, kind of smell a little musty smell. We knew water got in it, but the customer says she was driving it for a couple of weeks and didn't have a problem. And then all of a sudden the car just stopped right in the middle of the road. So we pulled up the carpet and you would not believe how that saltwater intrusion just ate right into the wiring and into the connectors. It was all getting rusty and nasty. And that mat underneath, I don't know what she was putting on the carpet, but it kind of hid the musty smell. But boy, did that smell, really pungent smell came out when we pulled the carpet back. You know, not only are you having issues with your car, but that mold and mildew, that'll make you sick. So please, by all means, the vehicle sitting in water, don't drive it. It's not good for your lungs. It's not good for the car. You don't know where you're going to get stranded. Don't do it. Tip number two, before going on the road, make sure you have an emergency road kit in your car. You know, we've talked about this on several episodes. Just like you're going on vacation, you pack that suitcase for your car with emergency roadside items. For an example, a flashlight, portable air pump for the tires, battery jump box if you can, can of fix a flat, that's good stuff, tarp, duct tape, everybody loves duct tape, a backup cell phone battery, car phone cord, snacks, water, water for you, water for your car in case, some twine, something to cut the twine with, flares, etc. If you can think of it that you're going to need it for your car, take it with you. It's not going to hurt anything. Also in your travels, make sure that you have access to an open repair facility. You know, not everybody's going to be open for business. Some won't be because they have family obligations. You know, they may have had a real hard hit and they're going to be closed for a while or their homes got hit hard and they're going to be closed due to that. But, you know, just have a list of trusted ASE Blue Seal shops in your area. Just in case you have a problem, you can go right over there. Tip number three, drop pavement that's visually intact. We want you to be able to see the lanes we want you to see the intersections, or if they're approved for travel by emergency management, that's another thing too, because they know that it's clear of debris and you can navigate it. And remember, please, drive slower. Everybody's going to be looking around at all the buildings and what has happened, and at a slower speed, you're much less likely to run into somebody who's rubbernecking. We'll talk about that a little later too. You know, most likely the lights will be non-operational because there's no power and you'll have stop signs that are missing. You'll really, really need to rely upon basic traffic rules and courtesy. I remember at one point I was talking about the barrier islands and then one tropical, no, actually that was a hurricane, one hurricane, it actually covered the main drag on the barrier island with about five foot of sand. And everybody's like, what are we going to do with this? Well, they had to dig it out is what they had to do with bulldozers. But initially, the sand, you could see the tops of the meters on the road, which anybody could have hit. Plus, with the sand, you didn't know how packed it was. You didn't know if the vehicles were going to sink if you drove on top of it. 
Don't guess because you don't know what's underneath there. Nobody had a clue what was in underneath all that sand. So please use the roadways that are approved. Not worth getting your vehicle all banged up and sunk. And I can't think of all the other things that could happen to you and your car. Severe injury, death, not worth it. Drive on the approved roads, please. You know, speaking of the same topic, our tip number four, don't drive through standing water. You don't know how deep that water is. You really don't. You can't tell. It takes less than 20 inches of water before your vehicle can be carried away in the water's undercurrent. Plus, you're introducing water into your vehicle as well, just like we were trying to avoid on step number one. You know, you've seen the television news images where people getting stuck in water just because they think they can cross it. Don't, please. It damages your car. It's unsafe for you. Remember, your car is not a boat. It's got four wheels, not a rudder. And why would you just want to do this anyway? You know, even water that's not deep, you're still introducing all that brackish salt water into the steering gear and the braking system. You know, people going through water even during the rainy season here in Florida, rotors, calipers, steering gear, just by saturating these components, not worth it because they're paying, not then, maybe not a month from now, but I can guarantee you in a couple of months, they're going to be shelling out some uh, shackles just to get their car fixed when they didn't have to. Keep your money in your wallet. Don't run the risk of driving over something that could do severe damage to the intercarriage of your car. You know, a piece of metal with sharp angles, it could puncture your fuel tank. A box of nails, you know, going through the tires, who knows what you'd be driving over. You don't because you can't see and nobody else can either. Keep your money in your wallet, keep your car on the road and out of the water. Don't drive through standing water. Tip number five. Remember past episodes I always said, make quarter your new empty? Well, let's make a third tank your new empty. Don't let your fuel get below a third of a tank. You don't know when you're going to come across an operational service station. You know, fuel up at a service station with known good gasoline, too. Ask the clerk before pumping if the tanks have been checked for water, debris, contamination, etc. You don't know. They will. They're supposed to check them. I remember after one hurricane, there were lines into the streets for fuel. They were putting fuel in cars, generators. They are filling up extra gas tanks. And at one point, you didn't care if the fuel was top tier or not. You just wanted gas. And all those people waiting in line for gasoline or diesel, you know, they all didn't get it. The stations were running out. And therefore, we go back to making sure that you start looking for gasoline when your tank is at a third. A third of a tank that's in between half and a quarter. Start looking to fill up. You're going to be sitting in line waiting And we don't want you running out of gas if they do. Tip number six. A little courtesy goes a long way. And courtesy on the roadway is essential. It's stressful enough due to the post-storm conditions. You don't need to add to the duress by being rude. No time for rude, folks. Take your time while traveling. I remember going through the first hurricane of the four of that dreadful summer. The first couple of days, everybody basically behaved themselves at intersections with non-working signals or no stop signs. But around day five or six, people are just getting a little tired of the whole inconvenience of it all. And some of them behaved quite badly. You know, those couple of rude drivers just set everybody else off. And we've all been stressed out from the day's events before. You don't need to have 
any reason to have any more aggravation in your life. So keep calm, keep cool, and have some patience on the road. Can get a little nasty, just ignore it and go on. Tip number seven, don't let your vehicle idle for more than 10 minutes. And if you have to make sure that tailpipe is clear of debris, idling only decreases your fuel. And remember, you're going to be standing in line for that anyway. In the long term, it could cause mechanical damage. You know that this time you really need to pay attention to your vehicle. Without electrical power, sporadic landlines, cell phone use here and there because some towers are up, some are down, you don't know. And this vehicle is your lifeline to the rest of the world. You need to pay attention how it's running. Pay attention to any little new noises or drivability issues. You need to get them addressed ASAP if you hear anything. Look for those ASC Blue Seal shops. Well, keep that list in your glove box just in case you have a little issue and you need it addressed now. Don't forget, address it now. And even in normal times, why would you have the vehicle idle anyway? I don't understand because it really does eat up the gas and it's not good for the vehicle. Overall, it's just sucking money right out of your head. So don't let it idle. Tip number eight, leave a flight plan at home so others know where you intend to travel. Pilots, just like the non-commercial pilots, they write down exactly where they plan to go and for how long. You know, if an emergency arises and there's no cell phone service or landline service, it'll be much easier to find you and you know another thing, if you're the one in an emergency situation, you'll be able to be located a lot easier than trying to find a needle in a haystack out there somewhere. So let people know where you are, where you're going to, when you intend to return. Verbal and written communication is key at this time. You know, during normal times, I travel all over the place and I always let my family know where I can be reached without myself. Just in case somebody needs to get a hold of me. And just in case somebody can't get a hold of me and I need help. Everybody knows where I'm at. It's just a good safety procedure in good times or bad. Speaking about good, tip number nine, be a good Samaritan. Follow the emergency personnel instructions to the letter. You know, if you're unsure of their direction, ask them again. Don't guess. There's a reason that all these trained professionals want you to do something specific. In times of an emergency, rely upon their expertise. And this doesn't mean trying to get the answer you want to hear out of somebody. Don't continue to ask them. Just do what they say. You know, when we had our first of four hurricanes that one summer, our first hurricane was a Category 4. In the aftermath, there's hundreds of emergency personnel guiding us around where to drive, what stores were open, where to get gas. People listened. There's no reason not to follow their instruction. It's to your benefit. They're communicating with other law enforcement in the area while you're waiting for cell phone service to be restored. They know the straight skinny. Listen to the emergency personnel guidance. It's not only going to cut the wait time for services, but it's going to keep you safe and off roadways that were hazardous. So it's going to save you time and money. Last but not least, use common sense on the roadway. Boy, common sense. The simple rule will save you time, save you money, and could save your life. I can't emphasize common sense enough. If you have to think about it, don't do it. If you have to guess, 
don't do it. If your Uncle Bob says, hey, it's okay, don't do it. Remember, when all is said and done, common sense will keep you safe in the coming weeks. Use common sense. There's one more thing I want to throw in. Save your sightseeing for vacation. The last thing, emergency personnel, cleanup crews, the community, residents, the last thing they want are rubbernecks. You know, a better use of your time is to volunteer in your community close to home. When we had our hurricanes down here, I don't understand why people had to go around and look at the devastation. The sightseeing crowded our roads more than they needed to be. They added to the already overstressed gas stations and added more people for law enforcement to manage. Don't do it. Stay at home and volunteer in your immediate area. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Okay, getting back to our regular programming, something on a little lighter note. This week's CarCareForTheClueless.com Interactive Form Question of the Week. When should you have your brakes inspected? Hmm, we've talked about this in the past. And we have four options. The first one being when you hear the grinding noise while braking. Option number two, when your service manual says it's time to have them checked. Option number three, when you hear chirping noise while braking. Or option number four, when you have tires rotated. That's this week's poll focusing on brake service. Well, let's go over our options. Answer number one is wrong because when you hear the grinding noise, you should not be driving the vehicle for safety's sake. Oh, please don't. Most likely, severe damage has occurred to the brake components. Do not move the car. Call for a tow truck and have your vehicle taken into your trusted ASE Blue Seal shop or dealership. And I remember in one circumstance, some elderly lady, she drove it until the hubcap melted. It got that hot because she knew she needed brake service and she thought she could drive it. Well, the hubcap even melted. It got that hot. So please, number one answer is wrong. We don't want to hear any grinding. Answer number two is not the best answer as well. Brakes should be checked if your service manual says so. That's true. But keep in mind that you'll be performing the tire rotations more often than the factory prescribed brake inspections. So that's why answer number two is not quite the best answer. You cannot over-inspect your brake components. Remember, safety is always first. Answer number three. Because brake components should not chirp while braking. If your vehicle has chirping brakes, you need to have the components inspected right away. Remember, we don't want that domino effect. You haven't checked right away. It's much, much cheaper. Which brings us to answer number four. Have your brakes checked when your tires are rotated. It is so easy for the technician to look at brake components and brake material while the tires are off the car being rotated. Words to live by. We're going to keep money in your wallet. Other things on the forum this week include knowing where your hazard button is at. Do you know where your hazard is at on your dash? A lot of people don't and when they need to know, it's a little too late. So we have tips on finding where the hazard button's at, how to go about jump-starting vehicles, and of course, we're talking about brake inspection this week. And we have a few tips for Hurricane Sandy. Go visit our forum. It's on carcarefortheclueless.com. All spelled out one word, carcarefortheclueless.com. You can find our interactive forum. Please participate. It's a lot of fun. 
We have the talk show link on there. We have books, my books coming out here. Car Care for the Clueless or Successful Used Car Buying 101. That's coming out next week. And we have our homepage just loaded with car care tips, all to make you a savvy car care consumer. Okay, let's play a little catch up with our trouble service bulletins. We have a few recall campaigns, and we're going to start with the first one, which is for Cadillac. They're looking for the 2010 through 2011 Cadillac CTS, STS, STSV, and the CTSV as well. We just happened to have one of these come into the shop last week, and the bulletin should have been satisfied at the dealership, but it was not, and we sent them back for the recall. Basically, what's going on is when the vehicle turns either to the left or to the right, one of these models that I mentioned, it'll make a clicking sound. Like, remember way back when they used to have the constant velocity joints, the CV joints, and the boots would go bad and people would let it go, and you'd turn left or right and go pop, 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 pop. Almost like the sound of taking a deck of cards and fanning them. Same sound. So, there's a fix for this. And they're replacing some components, uh, bolts, and in some cases, a propeller shaft. We need you, if you have a Cadillac CTS, STS, STSV, or a CTSV, to get a hold of your dealership and make sure that this campaign has been satisfied for your 2010 or 2011 vehicle. Very important, we don't want this propeller shaft popping off while you're driving. The customer that we sent back over to the dealership for this said that it was so light in the beginning that somebody mentioned it to him, he forgot about it, and it got to the point that it was very loud and they could actually hear it in the cab of the car. So don't go that far. Go to your nearest GM dealership and have this campaign satisfied, preferably your Cadillac dealership. Okay, on for our next recall. That's going to involve a 2001 Hyundai Elantra. You know, there's an awful lot of them floating around out there. That's why we're talking about this 2001 Hyundai Elantra. The side airbags have a tendency not to deploy, and they have a fix for this. The supplemental air restraint system, you know, when you get in an accident and the little bags balloon inside the car. Well, some of the satellite sensors that activate the airbags weren't properly manufactured. And when you'd actually have an accident, sometimes they would not deploy. And sometimes it would give a false warning. So the dealers have replacement satellite sensors for this. Double check with your Hyundai dealer. This still is under a recall, even though it's 11 years old. Get a hold of your Hyundai dealer and make sure that your vehicle has been satisfied with this recall campaign for the non-deployment of side airbags. And we have another rear axle hub nut replacement. Remember like the Cadillac was making noise? Well, they have a recall on the 2008 Chrysler 300s, the Dodge Magnums, and Chargers. This recall only applies to certain vehicles from December 2007 through February 2008. And this will be what they call your production date, which is located inside your driver's door jam. There's an actual birth date on the car called a production date. So you're going to look for anything in December through February, 2007 to 2008. What's going on, some of these vehicles slip through the recall. Both rear axle hub nuts, they need to be replaced. What would happen was they would loosen up and the axle would 
disengage from the wheel hub. And of course, the vehicle would lose power and, you know, and sometimes may have resulted in a crash. So if you have one of these vehicles or you want to check, get a hold of your Chrysler dealership or the 1-800 number for Chrysler inside your manual in your glove box. And this is going to be the recall for the rear axle hub nut. And we have time for one last recall. This is going to be a safety recall as well for the heated windshield washer module. They're starting to short out on some Buick models and Cadillacs and Chevrolet and GMC and Saturn Outlooks. GM wants to fix this for you. Basically what's going on is that in some of these vehicles you actually have a heated module for your washer fluid. So in the middle of winter that washer fluid will flow. The element that's heating that water is shorting out. Well basically they had replacements for it already but the replacements are shorting out as well. GM wants you back and they want you to have this taken care of so there's no incident. Uh, could possibly, uh, since electrical, it could possibly cause a fire or a battery drain, etc. And we don't want you to have this issue. So get a hold of your GM dealership. Remember, it's for Buick Lucerne, Buick Enclave, Cadillac DTS the Escalade, the CTS, the Avalanche, Silverado, Suburban, Tahoe, Traverse, Acadia, Sierra, Yukon, Hummer, and Outlook. And this goes from 2006 to 2009. Please, 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 even if you've had this recall performed once before, they want to see you back because they're having issues with the new module. Again, that's for the heated windshield washer module for General Motors. And this concludes this week's show of Car Care for the Clueless. We've had a lot of information for you to digest. If you've missed anything, uh, please go back and re-listen and learn. That's the whole premise behind the show. We want you to learn to be car care savvy. We want you to be safe on the road. And most of all, we want you to return next week. And we have a new and exciting show for you. I can't wait. Remember, it's all about you learning how to have your car repaired properly, not to repair your car in the driveway or the garage, but how to have your car repaired properly by an ASC certified technician at a Blue Seal shop or dealership and not be bamboozled. Until next week, take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on our website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you. See you next week.